What's up everybody, this is Brandon R. Scarborough. Welcome to Dear White Teacher. You're probably wondering what is Dear White Teacher? It's a podcast, it's a platform um, that comes from this thought. In our urban schools, the majority audience is black students. In those same schools, the majority authority are white teachers, white administration. What I like to do is build successful strategies for our black students to succeed and to really learn from their educational experience. And I feel like a part of that is also um, equipping the, the majority authority in how to relate, how to teach, how to um, have greater success with our students. And, and so that said, here we are. So I'm going out on a limb doing something I've never done, shooting this podcast. We got a bunch of guests coming in that, that's going to lend to us relational strategies um, on how to make our classrooms great, um, how to create successful teachers and successful students so that we all can be successful together. And so that said, let's dive into our first episode. Um, tonight, I'm pleased to have my friend, my, my buddy, my pal, um, someone I work very closely with um, in the person of Dr. Erica Glover. Thank you for being my first guest. Absolutely, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Uh, tell the people who you are. So, um, man, depending on who you ask, determines you know who the title that I'm given. <laughs> So um, in the workspace, some folks have called me Dr. Glover. I prefer Erica. Um, folks in the community, especially young people, will call me Coach E. Um, people that really, really know me will call me E, E Glove from the basketball mm -hmm. experiences that I've had. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm Erica, Erica Glover, and um, come from Warren, Ohio, a little small town, mm -hmm. real close to Akron. Um, by way of Cheryl Diane, if I didn't say my mom's middle name, she have a fit right now because she's stronger to identity okay. and who she is. By way of Cheryl Diane or Joseph Glover, um, so um, that's a little bit of, about who I am. But in terms of my experiences and my background, um, so I want to first begin by kind of, if you don't mind, explaining uh, my educational background. Please do, Doctor. Thank you, thank you. So <laughs> um, I actually remember going back. To, to like 12 years old, I was a Sunday school teacher. Like, and I was I the only Sunday school teacher at 12 years old, my youth group. And I don't even know why. Well, I shouldn't say that. Obviously someone saw something in me, right? And so I realized I was kind of good at it. Like I was good at teaching young kids they listen, I have fun. So later on down the road, um, played uh, basketball, University of Akron, Division One, full scholarship. Um, went into teaching. Uh, my undergrad was in uh, special education, so I became an intervention specialist. Went from the intervention specialist role to an administrator role as dean of students, from a dean of students position to an uh, academy pr uh, principal, is what it's called in our district. Um, it's like an assistant principal, but you're running your own school within the school. Mm -hmm. I moved into the HR position, so I was a recruitment manager, recruitment and retention, and in my current position, I'm diversity, equity, and inclusion learning specialist. Um, so that's a little bit about my um, uh, educational background term, in terms of my workspace experiences. So you've really, you know, I remember hearing about you from the basketball court, ah. you know, not too far back in the day, but right. I always heard about E-Glove on the court. You was nice, you know, you had to play book, though. I don't know how that worked out. But you no. <laughs> so, so actually never had to play book, though, but oh, book, though, football played Warren Harding football all the time. So it was yeah. always some great competition. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, um, never had the chance or opportunity yeah. to play book. I so I got to fill the people in. You know, we from Akron, Ohio. Bookdo is the greatest high school <laughs> to come out of this city. Um, people will argue that, but that, I'm a graduate. 1040. Of book. Yeah, yeah Tennessee. If you come to Akron and say 1040, the entire city knows what that 
that means that's not the that's not what this podcast is about. Okay, but, you know, all right, okay. It might okay. be a, it might be a recurring theme though, because I'm a book graduate. So yes, yes. you know, so you know, we 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 get to work in, in different spaces, um, and so after hearing, you know, the name of this, dear white teacher, mm. and you know, you rising through the ranks that you just kind of detailed and, and you know observing different things. What what's your take on kind of the relationship? You know, would you would you consider Akron APS an urban district? So I'm glad you asked that question. Um, one of the things I was kind of thinking about, even as you know, you even invited me on the show was this idea, this notion of urban. Like you know, people define it so differently. When you talk about urban, you could talk about it in terms of like geographic location. Mm -hmm. You could talk about it in terms of demographic. Uh, or what you see in terms of the demographics of the community. Um, so, or you can, like some folks will talk about in terms of even if you're thinking about gentrification. So urban is described so many things. And so if you think about, and I don't want to go deep into research, but when people are on, writing right. and researching about it, they their job is really to explain their lens of what urban is so that mm -hmm. you understand how they're explaining their research. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about urban, I, I tend to, you know, think about all of those things kind of mixed together because in my mind, they all interact with each other and they all affect each other. Um, so that, and that's just my opinion, not to say it's the right or wrong, but it is what it is in terms of what I think. So when I think about urban spaces, urban classrooms and communities and um, the, the, the people that influences our, you know, influence our students the most, um, for me, it's really about, uh, what the community looks like, what the community is, who our students are bringing into our schools, who's coming into our schools in these spaces, and how all of those things kind of come together to reproduce or disrupt, you know, um, the product that's put out there. And when I say product, and you know, and, and not at any means um, uh, dismissing, you know, humanity of a person. When I say right. product, I'm thinking about, you know, we're putting our kids out there for them to have opportunities. And mm -hmm. so what are we producing? And so all those things, in my opinion, kind of come together when we talk about urban spaces. And sometimes we don't think about the influence of the educator when we talk about urban. Mm. So I, I know for me, and I could be off or wrong, so educate me if I am. So urban for me oftentimes just means black. Mm. So because whether mm. it's the public school, whether it's charter school, mm -hmm. um, and for me and my experience, that's what I've been around. And so my experience with that has been kind of like I said in the beginning, the majority audience has been black kids. The majority authority has been um, white or even other culture teachers. And so where I want to kind of go is how do we help those in authority relate to our black kids? Because I see and have seen working in those spaces um, great teachers mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who lack the relational skills to understand what happened at young man's house right, the night right. before that he's bringing to school with him right. that is not allowing him to really grasp what the teacher's teaching. Mm -hmm. And it has nothing to do with the teacher's ability to teach. Mm -hmm. We just need to establish that relationship and have an understanding of He's in a single parent home and he misses dad or there was a, there was a situation with other siblings last night because um, it 
there's a lot of pressure in the black household. Yeah. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of things going on that come to school with them mm -hmm. that I think we have to, to factor in to either the success or the lack thereof of that student. And so I want to pick your brain on, on, on what you think about that. So I, that's, that's really an interesting uh, point that you're making here uh, because when we think about demographics and we talk about urban, then we also have to be mindful of the fact that there are black and brown students, period, right? Mm -hmm. And we also have to be mindful of the way that people identify. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, um, you know, some people say, well, you know, I identify as being a black woman, black man. Some people will say I identify as being African-American woman or man, but it's the way they identify. Mm -hmm. And then when you think about like even Akron, you think about North Hill is just yeah. not, you know, black students, it's right. just not white students. Right. We have, you know, immigrants, we mm -hmm. have refugees. And so um, as you're thinking about what you're describing as the dimensions of diversity is really, I think, most important for us as educators to be more aware of who we are first. Like mm -hmm. in order for you to understand someone else, you have to first understand who you are, what you bring to the table. Right. And so when we're thinking about our, our kids that are coming to the buildings, if I don't understand that I don't know those experiences, then I'm going to dismiss those experiences. Mm -hmm. If I don't understand that um, that they're different, and if I don't acknowledge that I'm limited in them, then I'll constantly place my values on you. Mm -hmm. And so what my definition of respect means, I'm pushing on you as if it's the way that you were raised. Right. And it's not to say that one way is better than the other. Right. It's just a, a way to really mutually understand each other. and. One of the things that I think is most important for, um, and you know, the name of your podcast is Dear White People. So one of the things I think is important for, even for myself, let me begin there. Even for myself, I had to realize that just because I'm a black woman doesn't mean I'm having the same experiences of these young black girls that right. I'm working with. Right. So one of the things that I believe that, you know, dear, you know, white people must understand is. Dear white teacher. Dear white teacher, they have to understand is that you too have limited experiences mm -hmm. in working with diverse. Mm -hmm. Like most of us don't come from urban spaces, right? And so you too have those experiences of learning. And one of the hardest things that I've seen across many educators, and I don't wanna even name it by race, but one of the things that I think that some educators struggle with is realizing that you're not the expert of all experiences. Mm -hmm. Like, you might be the expert of your content, yeah. you know, I pray you are, right? Especially right. if you're teaching my kid. But you're not the expert of this kid's experience. They are the experts. Mm -hmm. so, in order for you to really understand them, you gotta learn with them. Like, they need to tell you about them. You can't make assumptions about right. them. And then with that being said, you have to have the empathy, not the sympathy. Don't feel so sorry that you pity me and you let me get over. Mm -hmm. But the empathy and the compassion to push me to, to understand my experiences and be able to navigate through my experiences. So how do we get, how do we get teachers to get to that place where they, mm -hmm. where they, do a self check, I guess, yep, yep. to say, not what am I doing wrong, but how can I better understand my audience? So there is a, a space of vulnerability that you have to walk into these spaces in. Like, I'm gonna go back to expert. Like, you have to be okay with not being right all the time, mm -hmm. number one. Number two, you have to be okay and vulnerable enough to go outside of what you're comfortable in. Um, one of the things at one point in time, I was an adjunct professor, and one of the things I was, you know, talking to our pre-service teachers about is go into the community. And I'm not just saying going, go, don't, don't just go to the basketball games, yeah. right? 
Don't just go to the football games. You need to go to the spaces where they dwell in. Go to the stores. Go to the nail shop. Mm. If you got, go get your hair cut at the barber shop. That's where you find out the ins and outs. I mean, I took my son to the barber shop and I had a crazy experience. And I'm a black woman in a black neighborhood. I'm just yeah. in there like, oh my gosh, this is what it's, it's like, right? Yeah. Right, the, but the barbershop this is, is a cultural experience. This is where you get the ins and the outs from yeah. a from a black man's lens about the community. And this is where you make your connections and you say, you know what? Can you come talk to my students? Mm -hmm. And now you're building a connection, not just with community members. And this is what, you know, in terms of research, they are called cultural brokers. And so what I've learned from my own personal research is those teachers who are successful with working with black and brown students are because they make connections between the community, the home and school. It's like they should be, kids should be able to go to school and experience all of those spaces all the time. And if you can't do that, then you're not engaging them. It's like, why am I learning this? It's not even relevant to me. It has nothing to do with what I'm doing or what I'm about to go back home to. Yeah. And so when you think about the things that, you know, um, white teachers um, and black teachers too, quite honestly. Absolutely. Uh, but the point of your podcast, white teachers, is you, you need to make sure that you are vulnerable enough and open enough to go into spaces where you will not feel comfortable because yeah. it's not what you're used to, mm-hmm. right? And the things that you may have done when you were growing up are definitely different than what I did when I was growing up. I live by the streetlights, right? Streetlights come on, it's time to go Get home, out. right? So I don't know if that was your experience, but if you're my teacher and you're making those types of connections in the classroom, boom, you got my attention. I'm listening because I can identify what you're talking about. So a couple of things that you said, so by, by name, yes, dear white teacher, that, mm-hmm. that's kind of the audience I would like to meet and be a safe space. So a lot of this, because this is new and fresh, is explaining what's happening. Mm-hmm. This is not to criticize. Mm-hmm. This is a teaching moment mm-hmm. to say, you can go to the barber shop, mm-hmm. you can go to the nail shop, mm-hmm. but nobody knows what they don't know. Exactly. You know what I mean? And so exactly. um, teachers get invited to go to professional development, mm-hmm. <laughs> but how can we say, yeah, you can go to the corner store, you know, or, or to the mm, market, or, right. you know, what, you, you are welcome there. Right. And especially if, you know, one, one thing I absolutely believe is, not even for kids, we can't learn from who we don't trust. Kids so, don't learn from teachers they don't like. That too. That too. And so the word relationship mm-hmm. is going to come up a whole lot. If we can't relate to these people, um, to these students, they're not going to leave with a positive experience. They're not going to get the A. And it's unfortunate because they have the capacity and the capability to get the A. It's not, it's not because they're not smart. Right. It's because of the environment they were in. Mm-hmm. They couldn't relate. And so sometimes they act out. They sleep. They tired. Um, and so it just doesn't work for them to, to get the grades that they could. Um, I, I love the whole barbershop piece. How do we... How do we let teachers, administrators, how, how do we let anybody in authority, how do we send that message of you're welcome to do that? So um, I want to first begin by saying that I think a lot of times we make assumptions about this idea or notion of relationships in education. I think we take that word for granted um, because most people operate from the space of I have a relationship with my student because they're in my class. Mm. And that relationship for that educator might be, 
all right, you're in my, this is my classroom and you're going to do what I need you to do and I'm telling you how to do it, right? But that's not an authentic relationship. Right. Think about when you date. Is that how you, like, you know, are you just going to do what somebody tells you absolutely, to do? Absolutely it, not. It's a reciprocated <laughs> relationship, right? It's right. a relationship of building, getting to know, understanding, and respecting mutually, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have to move away from this notion of relationship just because I'm your teacher, right. just because I'm the administrator. It's, I need to know all of you. And if I don't know all of you, then I may need to do my job better. Because if I don't know all of you, the whole child, how can I say that I've tried and attempted to reach each part of you? I can't, right? And so every single day, you have to be willing to walk into the classroom if you haven't been able to develop authentic relationship like you didn't meet all of that person. And so it's almost like chasing some, uh, chasing your crush that you never get. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm gonna figure out how to get you tomorrow, right? Yeah. It's the same thing, right? Like, I'm gonna figure out how to tap into what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, what you love, your, the trauma, the traumatic experience of you, yeah. that you've had. Because I think we take lightly how trauma affects our students. We oftentimes, like, and there's this, this uh, concept called adultification. We oftentimes, especially for our black uh, boys and girls, treat them as if they're older than what they are, right? And so with that being said, we're expecting them to developmentally function like us. And so we're putting all these responsibilities on them, expecting them to be able to um, not just make decisions at the level that we do, but not realizing how much trauma impacts how they've been able to develop. Yeah. And so if you don't even, if you're not even taking the time to understand how trauma impacts students who come from urban communities, then you're not learning a whole child. Because losing someone, right? Um, losing a friend in the neighborhood is going to impact you when you learn. Losing yeah. your parents divorcing, and that happens to people regardless of race, right? But, but those are the things that impacts our kids when they come to school. And so when I haven't eaten anything, my parents been fighting all night, not getting along, and I don't want to give this woe is me, me narrative because it's not every student. But all of these things are happening, and you as an educator see a kid with their head down, all the first thing you do is say, hey, sit up and do your work and you're not trying to understand what's going on, you lost me. Yeah. You lost me. You, you care less about what's going on with me and how I can respond to what's going on to me and your job. And I get, you know, as educators, we have a job, but if your job is a build upon a passion, then you, you stop realizing that it's beyond your job. This is so good. I, I was thinking about so many different things as you were talking, and so being the founder of Dreams Academy where our core audience has been uh, young black males. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a thing in our makeup or our current, I guess, community that we don't share, you know, right. the, the way we should. We don't right. share at a level of uh, coming to school and say, hey, this happened to right. me and this is why I'm off today. Um, I was in a school one time and there was a young man who just happened to be in dreams, but I was working in his school as well. and. Um, his, he, he was in a, in a white teacher's classroom and he, he was acting out and she came and got me. She said, can you take him and you know do something with him? And I just took him for a walk. I said, man, let's go for a walk. And um, he just started talking. I mean, he just started spilling out, you know, you know, the stuff he started sharing was just, brother had got kidnapped by his dad, um, but dad didn't take him, he took the other son. Uh, it was so deep. But he was just willing to share because all I said, I said, man, let's just go for a walk. 
and he, he just started spilling out. Come to find out, the mom followed me on Instagram, and I'm looking, you know, who is this? And I see him, mm. and I say, oh, okay, this is his family. And in every picture, what I saw was he was the oldest child, but in every picture, he had one of the younger siblings in his lap. And so that kind of let me know he's the adult in the house. Yep. Because dad gone. Yep. And there were four more children behind him. Yep. And in every picture, he had a baby in his arms. Mm -hmm. And so I think in his mind, when he gets to school. He gets to be a kid again. I get to be a kid again. Yep. I'm on break from being literally a parent. Yes. Like what I what I saw from that is he's probably feeding kids. He's yep. probably changing diapers on top of trying to be a kid, trying to do his schoolwork, trying to enjoy video games, doing stuff kids supposed to do. The teacher, didn't, she couldn't tap into that. Now, I, I only tapped into it because of Instagram. You know what I'm saying? But it, it's those type. I don't want to call that traumatic, but for him. He was in the third or fourth grade. Right. That's a that's a heavy pressure. That's a heavy burden for him. And he's not gonna come to school and say, "Listen, I don't want to do this work because I had to sit up with my four baby sisters and brothers and make sure they got to eat and went to sleep." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Um, uh, so much more to unpack that, uh, out of what you said. Well, can you mind if I like squeeze nope. in it real quick because I think um, one of the things that uh, I think we have to be able to get to a place of understanding is, is that, you know, how much will am I going to have? Mm -hmm. Like that young man, that teacher, she asked you, okay, so she allowed you to have this student, mm -hmm. but now what, what is your responsibility? Yeah. Right? He's coming back. Right. And how much is he gonna see you trying at all times to build a relationship? That right there is the most significant Thing that you can do to build authentic relationships. Mm -hmm. It's your will to try, not your will to quit. And if we don't get to a space, especially when you're dealing with people that are different from you, your will to try to, I mean, this is, I'm, I mean, I'm not even speaking adult to student, I'm saying adult to adult. Yeah. It's your will to try to understand and respectfully admit when you don't, right? And ask questions to understand more. And I think we too often pacify or push or just glide over that because they're just kids yeah. and they just don't know. Yeah. And, and you know, they may not be ready or they may not understand. I think that happens too much. So remember that happened Monday uh, when we were where we were mm -hmm. and the, the young lady was describing herself and I said, I said, I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I said, I don't want to be disrespectful. Mm -hmm. I've never heard exactly. that. I said, can you say that to me again exactly. and explain what that means? Exactly. And she was like, oh, it means this. I was like, okay, thank you. Right. I, I've never heard that right. before. And I, I, w I was unaware. Now I know. You know, when I go into another space and hear it again, okay, I know what that means. And she was, what, 16? We don't, we are not the experts right. of everything, right? Like, see, see your own humanity. It was my program. Right, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> see your own. Right. And so, like, even within, within that conversation, I am strategically saying to students when I work with young people, when I'm working with them, that I am about to learn from you, too. Mm -hmm. Like, don't think that I'm up here, you know, holding all of this knowledge and it's me giving it to you. Yeah. I don't know everything. And a mentor of mine, even I heard him say this, he was actually introducing me to speak to some, a group of young people. And he said, and hey, I'm about to introduce you. This is she that, but hey, challenge everything she say. Ask her questions mm -hmm. if you don't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, right? How you gonna teach a kid to be curious, but then tell them they can ask questions that you are uncomfortable with? Yeah. Like that's an oxymoron. Right. How you gonna ask somebody to be creative and think outside of the box? but you get frustrated when they do. And so it's like, even what type of spaces are we even developing 
or what are we saying or espousing that we're going to do, but actually really doing. Mm -hmm. And that right there, I think, sometimes really hurts us in education. So you, you talked about trauma. You talked about all the things that kids can possibly come to school with. What does that look like mm. when it's 30 of y'all in the room, though, <laughs> and I have seven, eight hours mm -hmm. to try and get this lesson mm -hmm. out, but then I become your counselor, I mm -hmm. become your, you know, shoulder to cry mm -hmm. on, I, I become so many things, and it does, I don't think this matters across racial lines at all, mm -hmm. if I don't know how to do that, and I, I'm just here to That's teach, right. Yeah, you're right. and I just got, you know, I'm here to teach, and it's 25 of y'all, everybody in the room is dealing mm -hmm. with something. Yep. Um, and, and so to, for me, that's why smaller class sizes is important to be able to, to kind of reach oh, yeah. those things. But, you know, let's just be, be real. That, that's not always the norm, you know, especially big cities. You can have 30 kids in a classroom. So what, what becomes the strategy to be like, I need to care for this one today. Not because the other 29 don't need me, but this one needs me more. Is that, is that a reality? You know, um, I, I want to first pause and say that um, people take lightly what educators do. Um, Absolutely. I don't think that like folks really understand the art behind being an educator. It really is an art and a skill. And, um, you know, just because you don't get to see it, your students will see it, mm -hmm. right? Your young, the people in the classroom, ministers, colleges, they'll see it. But... Everyone on the outside doesn't get to see it, and so I think there's sometimes, it's not that there's a loss of appreciation, it's just not the opportunity to have that appreciation right. that we would want, right? And so when you think about what educators can do, um, really, really successful educators are able to, I don't want to just say manage, but it's like, let me figure out an example. Like, you, like, you ever see a DJ just, mm. just capture the whole audience like in the way that, they waiting on the next song because they know yeah. it's about to be dope. Yeah. It's like that, right? And so in a classroom of 30 kids, they're waiting on the next activity because they know it's about to be probably just as good or better than the other. And the reason why they are so eager is because that teacher has learned how to take the community and bring it in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Let me play your, uh, we in English class, and let me play your, your uh, favorite rapper where we start to talk about uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. You don't think you're gonna listen? Yeah. Oh yeah, you, you don't think all of the students? And now I say, all right, now you create a stanza to argue against his, whatever he's saying in his song. You don't think they're gonna listen? Right, and so, and then the other piece is, how am I chopping up that lesson so that we constantly moving? Yeah. So you're not just sitting there over time, bored, disengaged, because when you're a kid, you disengage, what you're gonna do? I'm gonna tell you what I did, I was a clown. Mm -hmm. If, when I'm done with my work, cause I always got done, done with my work first, I either asked for a pass to the bathroom and never came back, or I'm clowning with my friends. So if you don't put some things in place, mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's one of the things. The other thing is, it's interesting that when we first started off, we, we started talking about book to write. Mm -hmm. And everyone in Akron knows when you say these four numbers, what's those numbers again? Oh, you know them already. All right, you I just want to know 1040. 1040. You know everyone knows you know when you them. say 1040 what that means. Right. That's a community. So when you develop your classroom as a community, everybody know how to function, right? Yeah. It's like, this is how we do this in this classroom. Right. And a lot of times, and even the trains that we're doing right now in our district, we, we're trying to help folks understand, you don't just do, 
you don't dictate your a community to people. People come into the community in these spaces because they feel like they can be themselves in it. Yeah. So like when you develop your routines and your rules in your classroom, you should be asking the students about it. Hey, what y'all, how y'all think we should, if, if, if you have a question, how do you think you should ask a question? What you, what you all think we should do? Oh, we should raise our hands? All right, cool. So what if, you know, someone doesn't raise their hand and they speak out of turn? Like, what should, should I kick them out of class? No, they're going to tell you. And once they tell you what they are cool with, then you have them agree upon it. That's your community. I don't have to, I don't have to kick you out because you already, you, Brandon, now, is this a part of our community agreement? Because if, if it's not and we need to reevaluate it, then let's have a community meeting that's fixed this. But no, 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 Coach, it is. All right, cool. So what should you do that's based upon this agreement to get back on track? I don't have to talk to you about it too much because you made the agreement, right? And so it's like little things like that, releasing your power and allowing your students to be empowered within a community. Man, you just dropped like three strategies in a row that teachers <laughs> could take from this, man. That, that, you learn the hard way, man. You learn the hard way yeah. by trying to control kids, right? And at the same time saying, be creative and curious. Like, and for real, it, it took my students to confront me on that. Like, Ms. Glover, how you gonna say this, this, and that? But you know what, you're right. All right, well, tell me what we should do. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's huge. So let's talk about this real fast. What's the teacher-parent dynamic? Mm. <laughs> because students coming to school, they, they are a, a, a microcosm cosm yep. of their house. Yep. So they've been ingrained with their parents' belief. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times, kids come to school and they've heard you know, we don't like the police. We don't like yep. white people. Yep. We don't like this. So they are already in the classroom. And I think this might go two, two ways. They're already in, in the classroom. Day one, you're the enemy. Yep. From the teacher's perspective, that they could be also saying, I know you believe that and I know I'm the enemy. So that's where that power control yep. piece comes into play. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how do we engage parents in the conversation that I guess creates that community. You asked us some really good questions, right? I think I'm trying to. Oh no, I they don't. That's my first show, so Man, you know, this, I'm trying to get coming. You asked us some real good questions. Thank so you. <laughs> thank you. I ain't playing these. <laughs> so the first thing that so um there's research out there that calls, talks about um mirrors, windows and doors. Like like looking at yourself and, and seeing yourself in this space. Um that's the the mirror. Look windows is looking at the situation and understanding where your students aren't seeing themselves in the situation and how the doors is the opportunity that you present as a result of what you're starting to understand. So the first part about a teacher-parent dynamic is your mirror, right? You have to look at your own bias. What are you already thinking about before you meet this parent that might keep this parent from wanting to talk more to you? So that goes back to that whole self-reflection. You gotta be self-aware. You gotta be self-aware. And, and a lot of that comes back to asking yourself simple questions like, when I first got this job here, what's the first thing I thought? What were people saying to me about this job? Were they telling me to take this job or weren't they? When I'm in a teacher's lounge, are they telling me what kids I should watch out for? Are they talking about the generations that come through here? Are they talking about the Joneses and watch out for them and they pair? What and, what and how has that contributed to how I respond? Like you have to acknowledge that and we all have biases. Right. That's the way we survive and right. categorize things. So right. the first thing is to acknowledge that. The second thing is to understand all of the 
the things that families bring to the table. Oftentimes, when we're just seeing ourselves as the experts, we're not seeing the assets that our families bring. Mm. Like, my mom know, my mom and dad know me better than I know myself. Right. Why wouldn't I be more inclusive about including a parent that knows more about this kid than I, right? Mm. So even though you only see his piece of this student in these eight hours or whatever amount of time that you have them, that parent has seen them grow and mature into the person that they are. Right. So in being inclusive with their voice is another thing. The other piece is, and this is like um, my research is around, so when my dissertation I wanted to understand, I was really trying to understand, not mirroring myself, mm. black teachers and their identity. So I'm like, okay, with successful black teachers, what happened to them when they was young adolescents in school that contributed to how they teach now? Wow. And what are their experiences in the professional space as a result, right? And one of the things that I learned across most of the stories is the black teachers didn't have relationships with their teachers. And their teachers made assumptions that the family wasn't involved. And the family made these assumptions like, no, you're just going to do your job. Right. It's not that I'm not involved. I'm expecting you to do your job. Because when you come from a communal space, a village, that's how we are. If I go outside, I'm down the street, and that neighbor see me acting up, that neighbor allowed to check me because it's this village. Mm. Parents, a lot of times, are expecting the same thing. So there's this expectation gap that exists between what should and shouldn't happen because we come from different places. Yeah. And so that's where you got to go back to your bias and understand that I might, I'm raised different. And as a result, depending on how they experience school, it's going to determine how they come back. So if I'm a parent and I had terrible experience in school, you think I'm going to be comfortable coming back in as a parent? And so it's like, how do we develop our spaces of schools in ways that are so comfortable for our, our parents that they feel comfortable to, enough to be real with you? And you're not offended. Right. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that might be going, instead of doing your parent-teacher conference in the school at the time where your parents might be working their second shift, go to the community center. You know they're taking their kids to practice to Tiny Tots. Right, you know they taking you. They're taking. They're going to pee wee football. Go set up a table and invite them in or to have different conversations. Now, is that going outside of your yeah, contract yeah. and your day? Absolutely. But Absolutely. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to my first point about relationships. Do you want a relationship or do you want an authentic relationship? Yeah. And when you answer that question for me, as the administrator, I know how to now coach you. Because if you say authentic. We, we're going to have a different conversation, you know, and I'm mean, also tell you, like, I know you don't have to do this, but if you want it to be authentic, don't, don't say this is what you want, but not necessarily do what it takes. Are you killing me? That's good. Thank you. It's learned lessons for real. I mean, def but I, definitely I mean, learned lessons. I, man, to see uh, a parent teacher conference at the football game. And then after I'm cheering. You know what I'm saying? Like, Man, that would be so dope. You know what I'm saying? Afterwards, I'm cheering. I'm wearing your jersey. I wear your jersey to your game. Like, as a, you'll never forget that. Ever, ever. Ever. If you don't remember anything else. He that, came to my game. She came to my game. With my jersey. Like, that, I, 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 uh, I challenge. I challenge yeah. uh, all teachers to do that. And then, when you see them next day at school, ask them to sign off on their jersey. I, I, I swear that was coming. Frame it, frame it, in a, frame it in, a, in a classroom. And now just don't do that for that student that played football. Now your job is to find out all of the passions of your other students and figure out a way yeah. to now post who they are in your classroom. Because now when I come in this space, now it is my community. Because look, even when I'm gone, I'm still here. I'm on the board. I'm still here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
That's big. It's so many people that it sounds like that take part in the student success. Mm -hmm. You got the teacher, you got the parent, you got the principal, you mm -hmm. got the intervention specialist, you got the counselor. Mm -hmm. How do we get all of them aligned mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to be this creative? Because to, to me, especially right now, in 2022, we went through, we're still in a pandemic. Like I, I, I have so much respect now for students, especially smaller students. They had to sit six, seven, eight hours in front of a computer. Man. I can't imagine what, what, what that's like. It's tough for me to do at work. This is what I'm saying. And so these are kids and we're expecting them, let's make it even deeper, expecting them to learn from a teacher they might not even like in person. So now that I have the uh, ability to turn off my camera. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't like you no way, so right. I'm not doing this today. Right. Because right. we don't know what the, um, we don't know who's watching Lil Ray Ray, because mom could be at work. Most of them were. And, and for real, j just to be real, in, in our community, if we ain't got a babysitter, we kind of know it's against the law. Listen, don't y'all open that door for nobody. Y'all know where the food at. Call me if something go wrong. But you can literally be 12 years old and at the house by yourself from eight to five, fending for yourself. Definitely was my family. I, this is what I'm saying. Family. Yep. And so it's stuff like that teachers aren't even realizing or know because mm -hmm. we, ain't, we ain't really supposed to let you know that mm -hmm. because that, that goes against the rules. Right. So, man, it's so much. Oh, my goodness. It's so much in here. How do we get all these people in that to understand? That's a lot to unpack to say all of these things are going on and affect the makeup of these young men, these young girls and contribute to how they think, how they act. And for you all as the professionals, we need y'all to figure out the method to work through all that and still manage to teach. So it's really, I'm not gonna say it's easy, but it's about the sound, the way I frame it in my opinion, um, as easy. The, one of the issues with um, I mean, there are a lot of things that are really, really good about education, public, whatever. There are a lot of things that we can do better at. So when we think about the space of education, there's so many gaps between the next phase. Yeah. And so you asked a question like, how can we as professionals in education get on the same page about how we help kids? Well, the gaps to become the professional are so large that you, the residue or the residual mm -hmm. is what you see. So if we know that sooner or later, the young people we're working with right now are gonna be our next police officers, attorneys, judges, educators, all of the above, why aren't we helping them to understand what authentic relationships are now? Mm. And so it's how you socialize the new or the next teacher that impacts how they understand students later. So we have to address the process of becoming a student and then becoming a teacher um, I will never ever give up my experiences as a college student learning how to be a teacher. But there's something to be said about just sitting on theory all day. Like this theory, That's where I'm next. this theory is not yeah. helping me to understand, it's helping me just have a foundational understanding of what it means, I can frame it, right? But if I can't put it into practice, <laughs> they're not gonna listen. Yeah. And so even in teacher prep, 
Like, what are we doing that's way more authentic than theory to prepare teachers for situations they've never been in, working with different types of people they've never experienced, and now we're just saying, all right, go. You know, now there are things in place that helps new teachers and things of that nature, but that gap is so big, mm -hmm. it's hard to recover from. And, and if depending on my first couple of years, if they're too trying or not, I may not stay. And so it's how are we teaching our kids to be culturally aware so that when they become adults, they're more culturally aware. How are we teaching them to be more self-reflective and understand um, the different ways that people come into our spaces? If my environment isn't inclusive as an educator, I'm not modeling being inclusive. Mm -hmm. If I'm excluding kids, I'm teaching you how to exclude people. Mm -hmm. So then when you become the educator, guess what you are now in order to do? When you learn, uh, what is it, P-E-M-D-A-S? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Mm -hmm. You you remember mm -hmm. that, don't you? Why do you remember that? Because that's how their teacher taught them. Right. And so that's how it taught, they taught you. So how are we disrupting how we were even socialized in ways that makes us more vulnerable, more open to being different, more or open to be or expecting or experiencing differences and being more inclusive is really how we need to approach education. So in your educational experience, you know, all the way from undergrad to becoming a doctor, they taught you a lot of theory about education. Yep. Yep. Did you ever encounter a moment where the, mo the, the learning moment was about relationships? Oh man, like probably every day. Really? I, if you aren't, if you're an educator and you can't say that, man, I'm not just praying for you, but yeah. I'm worried, you know what I'm saying? Like for real, I'm worried because um, there is an example that I have, and so I'm writing a book, right? And I talk about this in the book. There's an example I had as an administrator. Um, it's this, we got this hoodie rule, right? And the rule, from what I'm understanding, came from the fact that it's a security issue or security concern. You don't know if you have somebody in the building got their hoodie on, something happened, boom, we can't recognize them on right. the camera. I, that, that was kind of the, the, the background around the hoodie rule, from my understanding, right? right? But I'm not, so now I'm not thinking about, I finally get a kid that comes to school without a haircut and hair not done, but they there and they wanna keep this hoodie on. And here I am, take your hoodie off or you going to ISS. Mm -hmm. They like, I'm here. Yeah. And you have no idea what it took so for me to get here. Yeah. And you don't even know how, when the next time I'm about to get my hair cut. Or they ain't got no coat. Or, the one time I told the young lady when she took her hood off, like, this is real talk, and, and I, had to, I had to go back and apologize to her. I'm like, you can go get your hair done. So here I am now, adultification, now making assumptions that you got the money to go and get mm -hmm. your hair done, and you can take yourself there. Mm -hmm. So, like, and this is another black, young, a black girl. So, you know, I mean, as a black woman, I'm doing that, right? And so I can only imagine outside of me and my own understanding what's happening, right? And so... It's things of that nature where you have to be able to understand that there's another opportunity for you to build a relationship, which means there's an opportunity for you to say I was wrong. And if you can't admit that you are wrong to a student, especially when you and they know, they will, they will not like you. Yeah. They will not like you. So being able to be vulnerable and real about how you can build relationships is everything. And you have, a, you have an opportunity every single day. I don't think I've ever encountered a teacher come in the room and say, hey, y'all, I blew it. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. That's another level of humility that, you know, 
could take for someone to, you know, they haven't experienced that. You know, they kind of just blow it under, brush it under the rug. Look, and all, all the kids know you was wrong. And kids, kids ain't crazy. Hey, listen, you can go into a classroom and they, I don't know, yelling, moving, whatever. You know what I'm saying? It's just a distracted classroom, right? Yeah. And, hey, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. You go in that classroom and be like, hey, you know what? I need to apologize to y'all. Guess what's mm -hmm. going to happen? It's going to get quiet. Yes. You don't get quiet in the room. They don't yeah. look at you like, yeah. that's your moment. Yeah. That's that's your end right there. That's your door opportunity. That's yeah. your end. Yeah. There's a meme I've seen floating around um, talking to parents, actually, that says something to the effect of parents should apologize to their kids for kind of bringing on them the way that they were raised. Yeah. There's no handbook for this thing. Man. You know, and even with teachers going through education, I went to college, you know, I learned how to teach, but I'm not sure all the time it gets deep enough to say, I need to be self-aware. Yep. Like, I, I have to go in my classroom and realize that all of these people have traumatic experience because I have traumatic experiences too. Somebody, somebody going to die, somebody going to get a divorce in my family if I'm the teacher. And I'm, I'm coming to school with that. You're carrying it too. You're carrying it too. Yep. So we got a room full of people carrying a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's real. And you know, especially like, you know, COVID really exposed a lot of mm. the, you know, the, the concerns around mental health, not just for our students, yes. but for educators. That's why I want to make sure I emphasize like, you know, educators, they have a tough job, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Because you're carrying the things that you're bringing in the classroom too. And you have to balance your frustration and your emotions in ways that won't make you have to apologize to a student for something that you could have done better, yeah. you know? Yeah, and teachers are walking out at an alarming rate. Oh, man, rate like the great resignation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. With, with even no job. They're like, hey, I just, I just can't take it. And so I hear a lot of conversation about um, this is a different kid these days. Like, I, I hear that a lot. I think we need, I don't even want to say we need a redo. We need... I'm about to get real extreme. Go ahead. To just blow up the way I education is now and just start from scratch and do different. Do it has to do it has to be a it's not just a fixer upper, it's a demolition. Like we tearing it down. Yeah. And we gotta figure out a way to build it back up. Um, because a lot of the ways in terms of how we function is rooted in policy. And if you can't change the policy, which is demolition, yeah. you know, then nothing's going to change, you know? I mean, even the curriculum, even the curriculum that we buy is, uh, is rooted in only certain perspectives. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to try to tell kids that have multiple perspectives and the curriculum doesn't even teach them that? Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, it's even stuff like that. And then it's even saying, well, who gets to say this is the curriculum, right? So if we don't, if we don't dismantle that idea yeah. around multiple perspectives or the lack thereof, the cycle continues. And that's what I'm saying. Like, it has to be a whole, I wouldn't even say redo, we just got to tear it down. So that, and we'll finish up after this. So how do we get the policymakers <laughs> to even understand the concept that you mentioned about community? And, and this is across racial lines as well. I, yep. You know, I, with, with, with this thing, I, I know it's called Dear White Teacher, because again, it's more of them than it is absolutely above. absolutely um i want everybody to understand even for my black teachers watching this mm -hmm. that we talking to everybody mm -hmm. because our kids are at stake here mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so if there's strategies tips advice counsel whatever you want to call it that we can help everybody and there's somebody that's going to listen to this but i don't agree with nothing y'all saying absolutely and that's cool definitely okay but i know my assignment i know what was on my heart to do absolutely. you know what i'm saying so i'm absolutely. okay with that 
but how do we even get, I, I love the idea of community. Like I, I, I can see, man, I would love to see a teacher come in my barbershop. And, and we even look at him funny and be like, what you doing here? It's gonna be some jokes. It's gonna be some jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and they got to be cool with that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. after they tell us why they're there, mm -hmm. the level of respect that we would have for that person to say, I came in here because one of my boys said, this is where he gets his hair cut. Yep. Cut my hair so I can go to school tomorrow and tell him, yep. so -so your cut barber my cut my hair. And then show him the selfie. Man. Do you know the impact that's going to have on him? Matt, do you know the next time you have any type of issue concern, you'll be like, hey, you know, I'm going to have to talk to so-and-so about that. You don't even, that's all you got to say. I'm going to the shop. I'm going, I'm going to the shop. And so to, I th to the question I think you're asking, I think it's, um, I wish I had the name of it. And since I don't, I'm just going to speak on it. But there's an organization, a group of black mothers organizing in Arizona um, around micro schools and they have all of these different pillars and um, there are a couple of pillars that really speaks to helping um, supporting parents I don't want to say helping like it's a charity but mm -hmm. supporting parents um, in in terms of utilizing their voice um, at board meetings wow. supporting parents in terms of utilizing their voice in PTAs right um, and supporting parents in terms of organizing in the name of speaking with those policy makers. Mm -hmm. um, so like it's really all about how we, I mean this is old school and policy change takes time and sometimes we don't want to look at it that way but um, it, it's really all about how we're organizing and supporting through educating and, and, um, and working with. Um, you know again I'm going to go back to and, and I don't want to make an assumption for all black and brown parents, but I'm gonna go back to this idea of community. We black and brown people typically are communal people. And so when I send my son or my daughter to school, I'm making, I'm assuming that because I function the way I do in my community, you're going to accept my son or daughter as they are, is, as they are if, as if they are in your community. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna treat them like they're your own, right? And, and so we have to help, you know, our parents understand, all right, well, that's not happening. How do we help them see us differently, and how do we get what we need? You yeah. know, and that's really important to it. And so that that's a thought of mine as well. When you're when you are a teacher teaching in an urban community, mm -hmm. but you don't reside in, mm -hmm. or or not you're not familiar with that community, mm -hmm. and you don't do anything to familiar familiar mm -hmm. familiarize yourself with that community, mm -hmm. you're already at a disadvantage. Uh -huh. So you can't just come in, come to school, and think you can teach effectively, and then go home and go back out, and that, that's, that's all it is. And I've, I've seen a lot of that. But to your point, again, community, they just may not know, those that are out may not know they're welcome to come in besides their job. Well, I mean, that's just, I don't care who you are. If I walk into your house, and it's my first time walking into your house, and go in your refrigerator, you I don't it. care who you are. <laughs> I mean, forget I ain't even wash my hands. Yeah. I got my shoes on still, too. Yeah. I, I, this is my first time meeting you. I go in your house, and I go straight to the fridge, and I start fixing me a plate. You don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Take that same problem that you have and the way you just vi envision someone, how, like how they just walked up in there and ain't even take time to get to know you. It's the same way we're not getting to know people in the community. You can't just come into my community not understanding and tell me what's right about, what's wrong about me. Mm -hmm. That's not going to make sense to me. You know, um, you don't even know me to understand what is right about me 
so that you can help me by empowering me, building off what's right about me. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, we take the time to think about other people. Like, we don't think about the humanity of others that way. Yeah. yeah. Where where does PTA, school board, you know, kind of let's place them in the middle. We got the student. We got the teacher. We got the parent. Mm-hmm. Where does involvement with that come into play to creating com- community, to creating change? Um, because I think for us, I, I know one thing that drives me crazy when I see it. Something will happen, and everybody jumps on Facebook and say, call the board. <laughs> who's on the board? You know, let, let's have a realistic conversation. Mm-hmm. Do you know who's on the board? And if you can't name two people on the board, mm-hmm. why are we calling them? Because we haven't familiarized ourselves with who these people are. Mm-hmm. We haven't you know, mm-hmm. watched and seen who, who's mm-hmm. moving and shaking, who's running, who's voting, all that kind of stuff. And teachers know that. And so I think that even lends to them another thought to say, they really not gonna do nothing until it's a major uprising. And so we get, ele- get away with a lot of small stuff. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Because that's not big enough. Yeah, and, and to your point though, I, it, it is important to understand, you know, who you're voting for and why. Yeah. Um, and, and understand how they represent your beliefs, right? Doesn't necessarily mean who you vote for is going to always be in right. that position, but right. it's important. And going back to that organization is Black Mothers. I wish I really knew because, I mean, how they are organizing themselves. Um, and, and now they're, they're wanting to bring into this space uh, also Black males. But how they're going about it is not just strategic, but it is whole child-centered. Mm. And so it's... When I'm coming and having conversations with, um, you know, with teachers, with principals, with board members, with community members, I'm beginning with the whole child. I'm not. I'm putting the child first right. and thinking about what it takes for this child to be successful. And so, a part of the support that this organization is providing, and I want to make sure I'm speaking to it correctly, is helping folks, supporting folks, and understanding the language and the, the tactfulness and the strategy that is needed to speak in ways that people are open, to speak in ways that is not just, I don't want to say biased because that, that's not the right word to use, but it's, it's a way for us to have a conversation where you are willing to listen, mm-hmm. right? And that takes some, some learning about how things operate, how we move even within the board. You, you, you know what I'm saying? It takes some time to do that, but it also takes some time to understand, all right, well, this is why I voted for you. Right. If this isn't happening, then, mm-hmm. and, and you know, policy is policy. I'm not a policy person, right. you know what right. I'm saying? But accountability in terms of is what it is. Accountability is yeah. everything. And so you, you've seen over the you know last couple of years, folks go to the board and they get crazy and it mm-hmm. gets ugly, right? Mm-hmm. But there's, there's, a, there's a reason why there's a space but on the, in the same breath, the same way that we would want to be approached and the tactfulness that we would want people to have in yeah. the background and the context we need for people to have when they come to us has to be the same that we are approaching folks who are in power and positions to make that change. Yeah. And that's a lot right there. Right, know? right. This was so good. Thank you. Uh, let me Absolutely. say thank you for, 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 thank you for, for being me. my first guest. Thank yeah, you for you having know, me. For sure, for sure. Uh, tell the people where they can find you at, whatever you want to know. Oh, Let, yeah. leave, leave us a, a, a ending tip of, you know, 
you smart, smart. So you know, you <laughs> smart, got smart. yeah, you smart, smart. So you know, get, give us uh, something to leave on. Well, let me uh, first, um, you know, end folks by saying myself and uh, my uh, colleague JoJo, mm -hmm. we have a podcast that we are going to be launching soon called Forever Forward. It's the number four E V E R, the number four W D. And it's all about extraordinary people doing extraordinary things. And uh, we want to have a space for people to talk about the positivity that they're doing, but not just I'm positive I'm doing that. What's the, what's the blueprint mm -hmm. so that I can make some connections with the ways that I'm trying to move? Yeah. And so now I have the opportunity to connect with you, learn from you, and yeah. then build myself. And so it's all about moving forever forward. So make sure you hit us up on YouTube, Forever Forward Official is our YouTube page. We'll be dropping some episodes soon. My brother here is going to be hitting us up about Dreams Academy, so we yep. got that going. Yep. We got the change experiment we're working yep. on where we're yep. building uh, opportunities and spaces for young people to talk about. So we talk all the time around voice for young people, but we never really give them the opportunity to put into action. So we want to move from a space of saying, hey, we want to exploit them and say we, wanna, yeah. we need your voice. We don't want to do that more, no more, right? Yeah. We want to hear your voice, share the space, and let's get some action around what you think around race and identity and ways to move forward. And then we have Disrupt University um, that'll be coming soon um, where we are um, being real strategic around being culturally responsive and how we support our young people in school. So all of the kind of the things that you heard about today um, is embedded in how we move dis in terms of disrupting. It's aligned to my research, my dissertation, mm -hmm. and you'll find a lot of that in my upcoming book around authentic relationships. And so. That's, that's what I have. Y'all dropping universities, dropping yeah. books, We're dropping, dropping universities. podcasts, <laughs> dropping everything. I love it. Uh, I, I love anything that's making an impact. Oh, thank so, you. you know, y'all got my full support, and I hope whoever watching, um, go follow, find, whatever it takes to uh, connect with Dr. Glover and uh, everything that she says she's doing. Uh, for, for our first show, hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we see you next time. Dear White Teacher. Peace. Dear White Teacher.